0: greetings podcast listeners this is liz and this is melissa and you are now listening to odds and
1: ends podcast boom (laughs) i think
0: you should leave that in
1: yeah (laughs) for sure
0: there Liz. How's it going? Howdy. I meant to clear my throat before because of the allergies. Are you feeling them? Oh
1: god. (laughs) So I listened back to last week's podcast and of course I listened back to it because I do the editing and I had to cut out. I had to edit out so many sniffles. Oh dear. Yeah because I'm just like sniffling away and I was like no one wants to hear that shit. Like snip that out of there luckily it was always when like no one else like you weren't talking or anything so I could just get rid of it so sorry everyone if I sound like a gross snotty mess but it's that time of year it's that time of year especially in the central valley where we're just like in a bowl of dust and pollen Mm -hmm. and yeah I'm
0: in Chowchilla so you're getting all of this wind of all the farm dirt, pollens. I'm doing hands now like monsters. I see you have attacking, hands. It's <laughs> attacking my allergies. I just want to open the window. Darn it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad here right now. So yeah, oh, but okay, okay. other than allergies, how have you been? I'm feeling a little stressed,
0: but I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. I'm taking a day off tomorrow maybe go paddle boarding i actually i didn't point it out i took a chunk out of my finger when i was cooking
1: i saw that i was going to ask what happened yeah
0: so today i'm like finally being able to air it out so it's not bleeding everywhere but i was it was a kitchenette incident i was slicing carrots I was being so healthy see this is why you should not be healthy <laughs> and I was using the mandolin. Have you ever used a mandolin? Not the kind you play. Right, yeah, no, I have. <laughs> I definitely have one, yes, and I've almost done the slice. Yes, and you know everyone's yeah. taken off some type of skin with that thing. Yeah,
1: gotcha. And I was like, I'm
0: good? I, I head down to the nub of the carrot. I'm like, I'm good. And then I hit it, and immediately I went, oh shit. And I just saw it, like, bleed. Because I've – remember I told you I blended this finger, and it took stitches. Yeah. So – my hands have had some trouble in the kitchen, and uh, we
1: used wound seal. Have you ever heard of that? No. I mean, I, when you said powder. wound seal, I pictured like a seal, like the animal. <laughs> for some reason, so I got he a like, little. Or, <laughs> or, it's gonna be okay.
0: He's like patting you on the back with his flipper. <laughs>
1: I got confused for a moment.
0: That would have been better than what it actually is. Is it like a glue
1: or it's like a
0: bandage? A powder from the devil
1: that's oh. made of like
0: potassium sulfate or something, and you pour it on there because it wouldn't stop bleeding. Okay. And I had to sit down. Oh,
1: that went in there. That All was right. some
0: pain, I'll tell you what.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what you get for trying to eat carrots, I guess.
0: No more carrots. Well, no our carrots, carrots had some extra iron in them. Ew. He um, puts all my blood, sweat, and tears into that
1: meal. <laughs> yeah, I'll stay away from the human fluids in my Ew. meals. Thanks.
0: The germaphobe, I forgot who I was talking to. Yeah, yeah. So, wow, well, how are you? How how, uh, boom, small talk. Wow, small talk,
1: But we're killing it.
0: Hey. hey, I'm like, what is your story? Is it a good. <laughs> One.
1: <laughs> I also realize
0: when I laugh, I like kind of laugh like an old man, and I go back in my chair. When I was listening to the podcast,
1: I would be like, "Ha ha ha! <laughs> oh God, we this so. It's late. It's a Thursday. Liz and I already have had a lot of words come out of our mouths today, so." This should be an interesting episode. <laughs> I th- I think we'll be okay. Bear with us, everyone. We're a little bit loopy. Oh man, last on week's episode all the allergy meds. We're loopy on allergy meds. Oh my god, loopy on that <laughs> pollen. Yes, that
0: pollen high. Sorry, what were we saying about last last week's episode? Last week's oh, episode
1: man. was so weird. When oh. I listened back to it, I was like, oh my god, wow. Okay, so the people that are listening today. If you're listening chronologically, congratulations, you didn't bolt after the last weird episode. (laughs) We really, really appreciate it. To answer your question before we went on a tangent about how bad we are at small talk, I am great. (laughs) I love springtime. Aside from the allergies, the weather has been amazing. Mm -hmm. I've been outside a lot uh getting real risky with my outside time considering my allergies are so bad i'm like fuck it caution to the wind i need sun Whoa. on my face badass on board look out yeah i've been wearing sunscreen oh me too i like High hey, five. time to bust out the sunscreen mm-hmm. and like the smell of the sunscreen has just given me all sorts of like summertime nostalgia and mm. yeah and i got roller skates oh yeah i'm gonna start learning how to roller skate i'm gonna get some I'm like, I have my iPad in front of me right
0: now. I'm going to pull it up so I don't forget. So you don't
1: forget, leave it open in a tab. Oh my God. My to-do list is often (laughs) my internet tabs for sure. Like if there's something I want to buy or research, I'll just pull it up real quick and leave the tab open. Sometimes I don't get to it for like a couple of months, but I wonder if anyone else does that.
0: That's what I do. My, my phone literally on both my work computer and my personal life. So I have some on here. I actually, to go back to a former podcast on that same topic, my Boothang opened up my iPad and he was like, what's this? And I'm thinking like, what did I look at? He goes, why were you looking up Scheherazade? (laughs) It's a podcast thing you wouldn't understand.
1: You're like, don't ever look at my search histories or my open tabs. It might just, yeah.
0: Concern you about who I am as a person.
1: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, so I got way less weird with my story today, but it's a very interesting and still strange topic, but... We're not going into anyone like having sex with the Eiffel Tower or anything like that this time. It's not that word. So, my story's good. We didn't decide who was gonna go first. I think you should go
0: first. You think I should go first? Also, I picked out a pair of roller skates. They're Angel Dust holographic rose.
1: Oh, all right. Okay, oh, hang man.
0: on. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: Okay, Liz. Time to focus. Oh. Okay. I'll- I'm gonna
0: leave this tab
1: for later. Leave that tab for later. Okay. Right. I do want you to join my skate gang. Okay. But for now, let's talk about my story. Okay. If I'm joining your skate gang, can we match accidentally
0: like we always do? Like right now, every we time are. we open the door, <laughs> we're literally matching, wearing the same.
1: we're wearing the same leggings. Leggings. <laughs> Mine are black and yours are like purple color. Yeah. But I didn't realize how much tie dye stuff we both owned until I we match. Freaking love tie dye. I don't know if anyone else out there do you love tie-dye? I love tie-dye. What is the thing about tie-dye being so cool? I don't know. We should make some tie-dye. Just fun thing while the weather's better and Gray has a tie-dye kit. Out. What? Yeah. They were making some tie-dyes for a while and then they oh. stopped doing that. But they still have the Gray stuff to do it. is such a creative person. With the tattoos and everything. I know.
0: I still need to have them ink me.
1: They're always into something. Mm-hmm. Your story, madame. My story. I'm here to present to you this week the topic of near-death experiences. Ooh. (laughs) This is also, I love aliens, I love space, I love near-death experiences. (laughs) It's always been such an interesting topic. Well, I believe, unlike the other ones, I believe in near-death experiences. Oh, good. So,
0: All I right. I find them very fascinating.
1: They are so fascinating. And I'm going to start with the story of a woman named Mary Neal, who is a doctor. She's actually an orthopedic surgeon specializing in spinal surgery so she is very mm. smart and very fancy wow and she wrote a book called to heaven and back which i actually read several years ago and it was so good that i sent it to my mom and i was like mom you have to read this because it's just such a good book and my mom's really interested in near-death experiences too that was a book you actually read it i did wow. yeah um i've read a few books on on near-death experiences uh but hers was really good it was very yeah well we'll see cuz i'm going to tell all about her story so tell me. um she was also recently in a netflix series she was interviewed for um it's called surviving death it's on netflix ooh i saw that yeah she's in the first episode her story and uh it's a really good series i've only actually watched the first episode because that was about near death experiences and then it starts going into stuff like other um paranormal type of things, which I'm also very interested in, but I just haven't had time to watch any other episodes yet. But it's still calling on Gray's Anatomy. I'm still yeah oh God, Gray's Anatomy has so many seasons. <laughs> Holy moly, we'll be on it forever. I think yeah. we're on season like twelve now though, or thirteen. So we're getting closer. Okay. Getting closer. Shonda Ryans is gonna keep going. There's no stopping that train. God damn it, Shonda. Give me my life back. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about Mary. In 1999, Mary headed down to Chile mm. on a group kayaking expedition. Ooh. So usually when I think of kayaking, I think of like a nice like lake. It's like smooth like glass. You're like kayaking along. And you're just gliding. But this wasn't the type of kayaking that Mary was doing with her group. They were doing like some pretty treacherous white water kayaking. So, yikes. Yeah, but like kayak. Yeah, but it was an experienced group and Mary was experienced and so this was the type of fun and like thrill-seeking activity they wanted to do. So, <laughs> they're out there paddling around and it's like white water. They're, you know, going down the river and um they're kayak and their little hearts out and they <laughs> get to a spot where there's a pretty big waterfall coming up, up ahead. And so there's a big waterfall, but then there's like one way to divert around the big waterfall, which is like a series of smaller waterfalls. So that's the way you want to go because it's like a step down. It's not like going over a huge-ass waterfall. So that's the way they're supposed to go. But as Mary was approaching that route, she saw one of her fellow kayakers was jammed between some rocks and was blocking the entire entrance to that route. And so since there are no oh. breaks on a kayak, in case you didn't know that, you can't just be like, <laughs> darn it, <laughs> stop in here. And they're on a huge river and she's being just like rapidly taken toward the point of least resistance, which was the big waterfall. Well, she wanted thrill-seeking. Yeah. Operating on spines wasn't enough. No, nope. Here she goes. So here she goes. So Mary's like, well, shit. And she's going towards <laughs> it. And she was like, okay, uh, this probably isn't going to be good, but let's, let's go. So she goes over the huge waterfall and, of course, splashed nose first into the water below. And the pressure of the waterfall was forcing her kayak straight down. And she went about 10 feet underwater. Ooh. And the nose of her kayak got jammed <gasps> between some rocks. So she was stuck. And she's
0: probably in one of those enclosed. My dad actually did kayaking at one point, And he explained the concept of like the Eskimo roll. Where you can like roll under, roll back up. So you're on in an enclosed kayak which sounds terrifying yeah i think you're partly...
1: i'm pretty sure you're like strapped in or something you're not just like your legs are in there your legs are in there and you're mm-hmm. like you're in there you're solid you're sturdy but not a good no e- way escape to patch. be no <laughs> escape patch. no easy it's not easy to just slide out i guess is what we're trying to say so she was stuck she's basically so she's under a waterfall oh, so dear. pressure the pressure of the water coming down forces her to, like, basically bend in half forward because her legs are still stuck in the kayak. And she's, like, in the most intense forward fold that you could ever imagine being in. She said she could feel her chest pressed up against the front of her kayak. So she's, like, she could feel her bones breaking. Oh. So that sounds awful and terrifying, but Mary says that during this moment, she she was very aware of what was happening, yet she felt very calm. That is not when I would think I would feel calm. Not when you think you'd feel calm. So it was odd. She was like, huh, well, this is a thing, and hmm, okay. <laughs> Next, she said that she started to actually feel her spirit peel away from her body and begin wow. to float up toward the heavens. When she got up there, She was greeted by a group of beings, none of whom she recognized, but she knew somehow that they had been important in her life story. So Hmm. these beings were so overjoyed to welcome her and greet her, and they began leading her down a pathway that was beautiful. She said it was covered with hundreds of thousands of flowers, which I guess. That would be great as long as there's no allergies in heaven. <laughs> to me, I'm like beautiful, but oh my god, give me a tissue. But I'm
0: so excited for heaven. All the things I'm allergic <laughs> to here I can enjoy there. <laughs> I'm but gonna play it. with golden retriever puppies and run through grasses and
1: I know. I'm gonna eat mow shrimp. the lawn <laughs> yeah, eat <mow>. shrimp. <laughs> Drink all the dairy products. Oh, you do have so many allergies. You're allergic <laughs> to everything. Jesus. So it's one of my talents it's one of your hidden talents. <laughs> <laughs> so there's thousands of flowers. She said the scenery was exploding with every color of the universe. So this just sounds like amazing. It's probably pretty hard to explain. It just seems like it's more than your human brain could probably take in and process. Um she also said that there was an absolute shift in time and dimension that she experienced all of eternity and every second, and every second expanded into all of eternity. Hmm. So the pathway that she was on led to a large dome structure, and Mary said she had an overwhelming sense of being home. Aww. And at the same time, though, she said that she could still look back at the water and see that she was still submerged. Hmm. Yeah, so she could just, like, peek back and be like, oh, shit, I'm still down there underwater. (laughs) Somebody give me a hand. So let's travel back down to the earthly realm for a moment. So Mary's kayaking friends saw her go under, and they were frantically searching for her, but couldn't get too close because of the conditions of the water in that area. Obviously, it was pretty crazy, so they don't want to get pulled under either. And they just couldn't get to her. And after about 15 minutes, they had given up on the idea that they were going to be able to rescue her mm-hmm. and were thinking of it more of like a recovery mission at that point. Oh. And eventually, after about 30 minutes underwater, Mary's body was found by one of the men in her group as he saw her life jacket floating downstream and he went to retrieve it. And he sort of just like bumped into her like she was still underwater but he like felt something and was like oh shit and figured out it was her so they pulled her out of the water and Wait, quick time out so her life jacket popped off her life She's jacket was still off. stuck in
0: the kayak
1: she wasn't she had
0: gotten loose somehow like loose the buoyancy somehow. or somehow floated out and then she was just floating in the river she was floating down
1: river oh dear yeah so that guy look was a life like, jacket oh look our friend mary look mary so it's great that that guy actually was like let me go retrieve her i guess he said that he wanted to go retrieve it in case like her family wanted it like any of her belongings back Mm. or something um so they pulled her out and uh 30 minutes underwater doesn't do a body good (laughs) so mary said pruny Oh, i know i stay in the bath for like an hour and a half and i'm like oh shit my skin's gonna fall off <laughs> so i get out then and it doesn't but mary was not being alive under the water she was definitely in the medical term she's not uh being alive exactly that's the technical <laughs> term you're welcome
0: Remember, everyone, Melissa used to be a nurse. I know.
1: (laughs) When someone would die on my shift, I'd just come out and be like, they're not being alive anymore. (laughs) And that was the end of it. So it was pretty obvious, though, that Mary was dead at this point. She was bloated. She was purple. She was not breathing. Her eyes were fixed. It was just like, that was it. But... Being that this kayaking group was a group of friends, and you know they cared about Mary a lot, they still made efforts to resuscitate her, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So even though it seemed like a lost cause, they started CPR. Uh, Mary said she could see all of this as she watched from the doorway of the dome structure. She saw them starting CPR on her. She could hear them calling to her, telling her to come back, telling her to take a breath. Um, and Mary did not want to return to her body. <laughs> she was like...
0: I'm good. I'm, I'm good, good here. No, it's good. You don't have to keep trying. We're fine.
1: Yeah. She said she felt so comforted and reassured that everything was fine where she was at, that she was going the way she was supposed to be. So she wanted to stay, but the beings that were with Mary told her that it wasn't her time and she had more work to do on earth. So alas, Mary returned to her body. Like, can we talk about this? <laughs> Yeah. Can we strike a deal? Can I just stay with you guys? Um, So she woke up, and the people who had been trying to resuscitate her were very excited, but also super shocked because it just seemed impossible after she was in the state that she was in, and she was underwater for so long But it's like, holy shit. She should have lost some type of brain Function. Or something. well yeah i mean that's another weird thing about it so that she said i'll talk about it in a little bit but she's like i should not be able to
0: be i should have deficits
1: talking yeah some sort of deficit so so she's out of the water she's back to life but they were still in the middle of nowhere in rural chile so well, you don't leave the u.s exactly don't go anywhere rural is what we're learning from this podcast don't hike don't, oh, Lord, I'm going paddle boarding tomorrow. I'm going to check in with you consistently. Yes, please. I'm still good. Still alive. I'm still being alive. <laughs> still being alive. Still alive. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad one. Um, so they're not near anything so they just like throw mary on top of a i mean carefully on top of a (laughs) kayak they're like here you're (laughs) using her arms and legs and just swinging her in the car (laughs) her body's broken into like a million pieces at this point so they carefully placed her on top of a kayak and just started heading towards the road like heading up the hill where they knew the road was and you know this is 1999 so it's like I'm sure no one in the group had a cell phone. That's just, like, not a thing that people commonly had back then. (laughs) If they did, I'm sure it would have no service anyway in the middle of All the millennials gasped. Or wait, (laughs) wait, is it
0: Gen X? Wait, what's the one after us? No, I'm Gen X. Oh.
1: Anyway. Anyway, we know who you are. All of you youngsters. (gasps) No (gasps) cell phone. Gasp. (laughs) So, anyway, they finally reached the road, though. And to this day, they still don't know. They must have just, like, been in such a panic that they didn't even think to, like, ask or figure it out. But somehow, there was an ambulance on the road just, like, parked there. What? And they were like, holy shit, our friend just fucking drowned. And, like, they're like, okay, cool. And they took her to the hospital. Oh. So... Very weird circumstance. It's like she's like it's like somebody sent that there for me.
0: Oh my! You gosh. know,
1: it's very weird. All the bing said, you still have work to do. Exactly. And the they're is. like, here's an ambulance. What was the, did the
0: ambulance driver say? Why there? That's too much detail. But were they just like, yeah, we were going to a call, or we were just
1: having lunch, or I don't. Well, like I said, nobody in that moment thought to ask. Yeah. Because they're panicked about their friend and it just <laughs> hey they, yeah. <laughs> Hey, why are you guys out here? They just didn't think to ask. <laughs> By mix. the way, if you have some some time. So that's still unknown. I don't know. Maybe they were parked. Having lunch. Canoodling. Having lunch. Canoodling. They could be canoodling. If the ambulance is rocking, don't come a-knocking. <laughs> so you were an EMT also at one point. I was. Yeah. My, my ambulance was never a-rockin' though. <laughs> it sure wasn't. So, Mary's family was contacted and told that she would likely not survive the night. Oh, But she did, obviously. Uh, with several broken bones and torn ligaments, though. Aww. And she required multiple surgeries to repair all of that damage. And she was in the hospital for more than a month and had to go many... Had to go. Had to undergo many months. Had to go many months of rehab. Had to undergo many months of rehab. Good thing she's used to hospitals. She had to relearn how to walk. I know, being a doctor, that probably made it easier. And in the book, I remember, I mean, I read it a long time ago, but she goes into a lot of great detail about all of this whole experience. I'm obviously only giving, like, the very abridged version of this. Mm. But, like, the book is so good because she just talks about all of her, like, internal thought processes and like her recovery time and all of the things that were going through her mind and all of that. So, cool. Um it's a very, very good book. I'm going to link it in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. So, <laughs> she had to like relearn how to walk and everything. It was crazy. And uh statistically speaking, like we were saying before, after being submerged without oxygen for that long, Mary should have had a 0% likelihood of surviving without any significant brain damage, but yeah. her brain is perfectly fine like she's still being a surgeon and That's, that's awesome. She's perfectly I mean, fine. That's
0: awesome. That's <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so let's take a little side path here and talk about some near death experience facts. Yes, please. You know I like the facts. I give did a me, little. Give me the facts. I did a little digging. So, only about ten to twenty percent of people who have a close brush with death have a near-death experience. So not everyone experiences this. And I was like, mm. why? Yeah. And I found a really good um, website that had an interview with this doctor named Dr. Jeffrey Long. He is a radiation oncologist, and he wrote a book on near-death experiences called Evidence of the Afterlife, which I just ordered off of Amazon because it looks really good. (laughs) And along with his wife, Jodi, began the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. And Why? I don't know why. I, he must have had, maybe he had an experience. It didn't say on this website. i just like, that's very specific. It is. I'm sure. Like, he, what are you trying to solve? He must have had an experience or he works in oncology and maybe his patients have had experiences. I don't know. So not us to say his reasoning behind why I just like to ask all the questions. I also wanted to know the answer to that, but it wasn't Would on there. And I'm sure it'll tell me in the book. Ooh, yes. Please yeah. share. We're going to need a book report. Uh, I will. Maybe I'll do another episode on this specific Fantastic. book. We'll see if it if it uh, warrants its own episode. Mm-hmm. So... Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, Dr. Long did an interview with guideposts.org, and he answered the question of why only a relatively small percentage of people have a near-death experience. He answered it sort of with a non-answer. He says, it's a bit of a mystery. (laughs) I thought you said answer multiple times. Yeah, no, he doesn't. His answer is basically that no one really knows. But he does go on to say, it doesn't seem to make a difference if you're male or female, young or old, educated or uneducated. You name the demographic variable, culture, geographical location, religious beliefs, lack of religious beliefs, occupation, none of it seems to make a difference. Near-death experience appear to be an equal opportunity experience. Great. Yeah, so Dr. Long then goes on to talk about one specific near-death experience case that may provide an answer. Give it to me. He said, quote, there was a near-death experience some years ago from a woman named Laura. During her experience, she said she asked God directly, Why me? What made me so special that I was allowed to have this happen to me? And God answered her, Nothing. Love falls on everyone equally. Everyone is special. This was just something you needed to accomplish your chosen life mission. Oh. Unquote. Um... Dr. Long said, to the best of my knowledge, that's probably why some people have NDEs and some people don't. There's something, some greater intelligence in the afterlife that seems to understand that some people need near-death experiences to best live their earthly lives. Hmm. So of course, this is all speculation, but it's based on people's experiences. So it's like, there's no way that this can be concretely known, like why this happens to some people and not others. But all we do know is that there's been no scientific explanation yet. Like no one's been like, this is what a near death experience is. And unequivocally like, and this is why it happens to some people and not others. Like no one's answered that. So this is the best answer we have. Sorry. Wait, we're good. (laughs) Okay. Um, Dr. Long also talks about the commonalities amongst these experiences. So I'm going to read another quote here. He said, It's a basic scientific principle that what is real is consistently observed. Mm -hmm. Unquestionably, the remarkable consistency of what occurs during near-death experiences is a very strong line of evidence to their reality. In all other altered consciousness of human beings, such as in dreams, hallucinations, psychotic episodes, you don't see that consistency. In dreams, for example, events seem to skip around and they don't have a continuity. Near-death experiences, though, occur very consistently among a large group of people. I've studied children ages five and younger and would have assumed that their near-death experiences would vary, Mm -hmm. but the elements of their near-death experience are pretty much identical with older children and adults. At every twist and turn I make in my research, I have been astounded at how things seem to line up, converging on the evidence-based conclusion that NDEs are real, as is their consistent message of the existence of an afterlife."
0: That is so interesting. I think, like, what he's saying about it being measurable, observable, we know that science, but when we talk about faith and paranormal and aliens and things, it's hard to measure it, but he can measure their
1: experiences and what it entails, maybe. Right. And and I've always thought that was interesting, too, where – and they've tried to link that to a scientific explanation where it's like, oh, well, it's just – When the brain is dying, these chemicals are being released and all of this stuff. But that's actually proven to be false. Really? Yeah, so that's not a thing. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, that's not a thing that's generally, like, believed anymore as the cause of this. So now they're kind of back to square one where it's like, shrug. Well, how do you study that? You're
0: like, I'm going to put these wires on you. That's not going to get any IRB approval. We're going to kill these people, bring them back, and then... Look at what the brain did. Yeah, it's like that movie Flatliners. Oh, that was a great movie. So good. So good.
1: But we digress. Well, we kind of digress. Mm -hmm. We're still on topic. I was on topic. I would like to know. But yeah, no, you're right. It's like hard. It's a hard thing. How do you study it? It's like, I feel like the only way to do that would be to take like terminal people. Like if I was terminally ill and I knew I didn't have very much time left, it could be like hey, like, kill me and see if you can bring me back. And if you can't, then I was about to die anyway. And if you can, I'll tell you what I saw. That's wonderful.
0: It's kind of like donating your organs, but in a really way more intense way. Like, my body's going to go
1: anyway. Let's science it up. I know. But then I'm like, would the ethics of that experiment – Well, like, would anyone be okay with someone doing that experiment? No. I don't know. (laughs) So, I mean, as long as the person being experimented on is consenting – I don't know. Anyway, so... Lawyers
0: can do everything nowadays.
1: I know, true. Mm. Just need an airtight contract. You're fine. (laughs) Okay, so we all associate consciousness with being conscious, right? Awake and alive and with a functioning brain and all of that. But when you talk about near-death experiences, it raises the question, if the physical brain stops working, does consciousness end? And I have a specific story that says, no, consciousness does not end if the brain is not working. So there's a woman named Pam Reynolds, and she was having brain surgery for an aneurysm repair. And during the surgery, she was hooked up to an EEG monitor. So it's basically a machine that monitors your brain activity. Mm -hmm. And for the majority of the procedure, which was almost an hour, the EEG was flat, which means Pam had no brain activity. Yet, despite being under anesthesia and having her eyes taped shut and having no brain activity, Pam remembers being in the room, but not in her body.
0: Hmm. She
1: said her point of view was as if she were sort of like behind the soldier, the soldier, the shoulder of her surgeon, (laughs) sort of just like peeking over and she could see everything and hear everything. And, she later talked to her surgeon and described in great detail to him elements of the surgery and the tools they were using and everything. And there's no way she could have known any of that. And he was just like, holy shit. Like, how'd you know all that? So like, good thing we didn't do that thing where we draw the funny mustache on you. I know. (laughs) If it's anything like Grey's Anatomy, they were talking about like their sex life or whatever (laughs) they're working on the patient. Um, so, this leads us back to the question: How can someone be conscious when they are unconscious? I was waiting for you to answer. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't I have the an answer. Was like, Is this hypothetical? <laughs>
1: that was a trick question. That You're was... not supposed to have the answer. Oh.
0: Um, I was waiting. I mean, if you
1: do have the answer, you would be. That, I, well, that I would be I, the answer.
0: I mean, I I feel like I believe in in God, um, but. That's just where I'm coming from. I find this really interesting because so there's, there's so many things we don't know or even understand about yeah. ourselves. Oh, the for complexity sure. of God and the complexity of creations. We're not going to understand all
1: of it. It's it's beyond our our capacity right now to understand. Yes, I think for it sure.
0: would be really cool to see your own surgery. How neat yeah, would that be? I know. Be totally. like, you
1: did such a good job doing CPR
0: on me. I just want to give you a gold star.
1: You did great sawing my skull open. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Oh, for that. No. oh, you could see your own brain. Yeah, that would be cool.
0: Oh, that would be so cool. If I ever have brain surgery, you're
1: just yeah. going to be hoping for a near come for on, an come out of on body. Death.
0: I want to see that brain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, one more story that is kind it's of similar. Least. Um, It's about an elderly woman who remained anonymous, but she uh, suffered a cardiac arrest while in the hospital. She said one minute she was just laying in her hospital bed, no big deal. And the next moment she was floating above her own body. Whoa. So she watched as hospital staff rushed in to try and revive her starting CPR and doing all of the things. And she saw her doctor walk into the room, and upon doing so, he dropped his pen, which rolled over to the window right by where she was floating around. And she watched him walk over, pick up the pen, and place it in his pocket. Eventually, the woman was revived, obviously. And later, when she met with her doctor, she told him about what had happened, how she left her body. Whoa. And he was like uh, you were probably just hallucinating, and then she told him about what she'd seen and described him dropping and retrieving his pen, and he was shocked because not only was the woman unconscious at the time, but plot twist, she's also blind. Yeah. What? I know. So, like,
0: Not only... Was she like, oh, damn, is that what I look like? I need some eye cream. I know, seriously.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I didn't even think about that.
0: (laughs) Like, who that? Oh, wait,
1: that's me. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) That's me, I'm dead. Oh, (laughs) my gosh, that's so crazy. I know. Uh Crazy. Uh So, all of this is very fascinating, right? And uh, after reading some of these stories, it's like, wow. I want to know what you think. Maybe dying isn't so scary. Oh, I'll tell you what I think. Oh, oh Lord, okay. <laughs> I have all sorts of things I think. <laughs> oh, no, she's fixing your shirt. She's she's fixing, she's fixing to tell us. I'm fixing to tell you. Well, let me tell you about this first. So there's a flip side to near-death experiences. Not everyone who has experienced one has had a good experience. Well, that's because some people are shitty. This phenomenon is called a distressing near-death experience so be a d d what was the D N D E? yeah there you go <laughs> so distressing near-death experiences we're just going to call them d-n-d-e's how about that thanks they occur under the same wide range of circumstances and feature most of the same elef- elef- elephants <laughs>
0: now there's elephants that is fucking whack dude (laughs) oh my god i love elephants that would be amazing elephants like hey welcome
1: to heaven you want a peanut
0: (laughs) anybody want a peanut
1: (laughs) i'd be like yay Oh, I get to hang out with elephants, and they're not going to step on me. It's called an
0: E-E, or an E-N-D-E, elephant
1: near-death experience. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. I love animals. I would love to see an elephant, but that's not what I meant to say. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. So, anyway, that's me rewinding and starting over. So... (laughs) dndes occur under the same wide range of circumstances and feature most of the same elements as pleasant <laughs> i've got the giggles
0: can't i'm trying it. not to look at
1: you oh shit bring it back bring it back bring this, it back this as, our therapy, as our therapist say oh
0: a palate cleanser This limoncello Lacroix very well may be
1: my very favorite. Shout out to Megan McCready who told me (sighs) to get the limoncello. Megan, you were so right. I still, I the Raz Cran is still like Mm. in a smidge above, but this is still really good. This is my second favorite. I would say this is now my first, and that one's maybe like right underneath. So like a solid second. Solid second. Okay. For everyone. Palette cleanser. LaCroix. Palette cleanser. Okay. So these are the same, but different. What differs is the emotional tone, which ranges from fear through terror to, in some cases, guilt or despair. Mm. The reports typically lack two elements common in pleasant NDEs, a positive emotional tone and loss of the fear of death. So there are actually three different types of distressing NDEs, hmm. inverse, void, and hellish. Ooh. So I'm just going to briefly touch on each of these. If you want to know more details about these specific types of DNDEs, um, I'll link the article in the show notes. It's a, it's a really long article, so it's but it's interesting. So well, go you know my check new, that uh, out. Yeah, we're going to check it out. Yeah, yeah check it out. So the inverse NDE features usually reported in other NDEs as pleasurable are perceived as hostile or threatening. For example, a woman in childbirth felt her spirit separate from her body and fly into space at tremendous speed, then saw a small ball of light rushing toward her. It became bigger and bigger as it came toward me, she said. I realized that we were on a collision course and it terrified me. I saw the blinding white light come right to me and engulf me. So her white light was cray. It was like buzzing around. Most people are like, oh the warm light and it was great. And it was it wasn't like flying at them like an atomic fireball. Oh my gosh. Uh, which one is this really quick? Which one of the That's the inverse. Inverse. Okay. Yeah. So next is the void. N-D-E. This sounds peaceful. <laughs> just wait. Oh, dear. Okay, I'm imagining just white. This is an ontological encounter with a perceived vast emptiness, often a devastating scenario of aloneness, isolation, sometimes annihilation. For example, a woman felt herself floating on water, but at a certain point, quote, she says, it was no longer a peaceful feeling it had become pure hell. I had become a light out in the heavens, and I was screaming, but no sound was going forth. It was worse than my nightmare. I was spinning around, and I realized that this was eternity. This was what forever was going to be. I felt the aloneness, the emptiness of space, the vastness of the universe, except for me, a mere ball of light, screaming." Aw, yikes! Okay, that That's sounds horrible. Just like,
0: mm, naps. That sounds like give me like a good like a cat and a book and like a nice little bed and i would be fine with the void. <laughs> That's
1: not a void then, because you have a cat and a book <laughs> and a nap.
0: Well, you know those things they always say like if you could go to a deserted island, what would you bring? That was just how I was going to the void in
1: my head. Nope, void, oh, total poor void. thing. It sounds like uh, nightmares, like when you have night terrors almost. That sounds like when I've had, like, horrible dreams about space and I, like, fell out of the spaceship somehow and I'm just floating out there and they flew away without me and I'm oh. like, oh, shit. And you're just, like, out there alone. I just love who you are, that you have <laughs> nerdy space dreams. <laughs> nightmares. Nerdy space nightmares. Nerdy space thing. Get it right, Liz. Oh, my apologies. Okay. Next we have the hellish near-death experience. Ugh. This is the least common type of distressing NDE. However, to me, it sounds the most terrifying. Mm. So, for example, a woman who hemorrhaged from a ruptured fallopian tube reported a near-death experience involving, quote, horrific beings with gray gelatinous appendages grasping and clawing at me. The sounds of their guttural moaning and the indescribable stench still remain 41 years later. There was no benign being of light, no life video, nothing beautiful or pleasant. Mm, That's what hell is. Yikes. Just be a little hot. Yeah, so go read this article because it's really interesting um, because it seems like... These aren't just happening. I mean, these aren't terrible people that these are happening to. So it's like, it's not like it's Jeffrey Dahmer having a hellish (laughs) NDE. It's like, these are regular people. So it's it's hard to explain that side of it. I mean, any of this is hard to explain, but it's hard to explain why some people don't have a great experience and others do so. Yeah, because he said he didn't see any commonalities across gender, race yeah location location yeah all of the things it was like everyone's having sort of the same experiences so yeah um i would like
0: to know on the ones that see god if it's like the same so say you're in a different religion is it the god that you've been worshiping is it like a similar
1: figure i think across like different cultures Uh that type of that part of the experience has been different okay yeah So I want to go back to Mary Neal for a second, the lady who we talked about at the beginning. Yes. So her near-death experience was obviously life-changing in many good ways, but also there was one aspect of the experience that haunted her for years. During her near-death experience, Mary was told about the impending death of her son, Willie, Mm. who was nine years old at the time. Mary wasn't given the details on the date or time, but the information she received led her to believe that Willie would not reach his 18th birthday. Oh. So, of course, every single day for nine years, Mary <laughs> woke up wondering if that day was the day that Willie would die. Aww. And she was like there was no one who wanted this near-death experience to not be true more than me she's like I was trying to figure out any other explanation because that means if that wasn't true the thing about Willie wasn't true yeah so Mary never mentioned this detail to anyone until shortly before Willie's 18th birthday (laughs) That's a terrible thing to hold on to. It's a terrible thing to hold on to alone. And, but I can see why, because it's like, yeah, I don't know. I would tell someone, but I'm a big old blab.
0: Yeah, I know. Like, I would definitely talk to that, my therapist
1: about that immediately. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) Can you help walk me through this? (laughs) Yeah. So Mary and Willie were out of town at a ski race because Willie was a skier and he was competing that weekend. So, Mary felt compelled to reveal this to Willie since he was almost 18. And uh, he basically took it with a grain of salt and was like, he's so crazy. (laughs) And uh, as 18-year-olds generally do. Or almost 18-year-olds generally do. And uh, that was that. And Willie did reach and pass his 18th birthday. Did he die after that? Yeah, he did. Two years later, he was at a ski oh. camp in Maine, roller skiing, which sounds amazing. Roller skiing? I, I need to research what this is, but okay. it sounds kind of fun. <laughs> um, with a friend, and uh, they were on the side of the road, roller skiing, and oh. a car hit Willie and killed him instantly. Oh Yeah. So How may I take this? Uh, well, she said that She definitely has a new outlook on death since her near-death experience, but it still doesn't protect her from grief. Mm. And she said that even though she knows now that death is just a physical loss and that she will see Willie again someday, she does miss him terribly and Mm. feels immense sadness over his death, of course. So, um... So final question, if consciousness is not solely dependent on the brain, then what happens to consciousness after we die? I guess that's the question of the hour. And, Indubitably. Uh, so. pin all a titter. Is that the word? A
0: Twitter? A titter? Tw- a Twitter? Never mind.
1: I want to know what you think. Okay. Well, I think that for one, there's a lot that we don't know. Like you Mm -hmm. said, um, while I am not, I don't consider myself a religious person, but I do consider myself a spiritual person. And I do very much believe that there could very well be a creator. Um, I find that highly likely mm-hmm. it's very knowing what I know about space, the universe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how things, how we know, like scientifically things began. Like there are some things that are just not explained by science mm-hmm. where everyone's left scratching their head. Like what happened before the big bang? Like what happened before the universe created and expanded and grew into what it is how did we end up here on this tiny tiny rock flying through space in this vast immeasurable universe it's just like it's pretty crazy when you Mm -hmm. when you break it all down and you go like onto the science side of things and into like the spiritual side of things I feel yeah. like a lot of it is interconnected, and I know there are a lot of scientists that believe that there's something maybe behind creation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so I feel like that's kind of where I stand, too. I'm like, you know, was this all just a big accident, and we're just like accidentally here, and there's no one else out i definitely don't believe that there's no one else out there i guess that's where you and i differ because <laughs> i'm mean, like
0: I, I i to a certain degree i believe there could be life in the form of like amoeba and we know that atoms are very tiny who's to say that that's not on other planets so technically we believe in aliens
1: there you go um, the same plane i i there's just so much universe out there and now they're speculating that there could be multiple universes and mm-hmm. the concept of a multiverse and, like, other dimensions at parallel hours and all of these different theories that obviously can't be proven. But at they're least, so cool. At least not yet. So, like, listening to, like, different podcasts and things like that on these topics really has me thinking a lot about being human, how we got here, what's out there, what comes after this, why, what's the purpose. And a lot of scientists are just like, you know, questions that we didn't even know to ask. Yeah. You know, thousands of years ago have now been (laughs) answered. So what's going to progress between now over the next couple of thousand years as we, like you don't know even the questions to ask sometimes or the things to look at or whatever. So it's like... I don't know if we'll ever be able to explain everything.
0: I don't think so. And I definitely think you touch on something important, that science and spirituality are not mutually exclusive. You know, they definitely are interconnected. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the big question is, with all that information, you can either feel really overwhelmed. How do you move forward? And I think that is a question. How do you move forward, knowing that information? How do
1: you take that in? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, I try and live my life as a good person. I, you know, even though I don't ascribe to a specific religion, I do believe that most I mean, I feel like all religions are based on the basics of, like, being kind, being a good human, being... Some people twist and warp that and make it into not that. As we've seen with our cults that we've talked about. As we've seen with cults, or there are definitely a lot of people in, like, different religions that interpret the Bible different ways and feel like it can back up their mission mission or their hate speech or whatever Mm -hmm. they want to do with it. But, like, Mm -hmm. at its core, I think all religion is based upon, like, love and kindness, and that's what I follow. That's what I try and follow, and I don't really believe in a vengeful God. I don't believe that if you fuck up a couple times that you're going straight to hell, any of that. Good. (laughs) Um, Hopefully not, because, oh, man. Well, even in your one story, the the
0: girl said that God was talking about love, you know, so that backs up what you're saying, but... How intense. It's so, it's so interesting to talk about. It's so
1: interesting. And it makes me feel like, (laughs) okay, I don't want to say it because it's weird to be like excited to die, but it's like, it makes me feel (laughs) like it's, it's like, I know that I don't want to die now. I want to live till I'm old. Just put that out there. But like universe, don't like strike me down. But um, <laughs> don't get me aliens. I'm not ready. Don't you can't get take me. me not yet. ready. Um, but I, it makes me wonder like, okay, like what's going to happen? Like it's a cliffhanger. I'm like, when I go out, I'll finally get to see. Like mm-hmm. you finally get to know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of exciting as long as I'm old and ready. You're old and ready. Okay. I'm not old and ready yet. I'm like, old, but I'm not ready.
0: <laughs> I was contemplating even like sharing this, but you have free permission to, to edit it out. Okay, go for I, it. Ever since I was really small, and this is really weird because Megan and I bonded, and I know this is like information about her, but we bonded over this like common thing that happened to us. And when I was young, I would have these moments where it was almost like I was kind of not really connected to my body and it felt like everything around me was fake. It's a fake world. This isn't real. You're not actually connected to this and it sounds cool, but it was actually really scary because you'd have to wait for that moment where it was like, almost like like a jump rope where you're like, I'm going to hop back in. Uh-huh. And it was almost this moment, like, I have no control over any of this. It's this really weird out-of-body feeling. And I still honestly, if I'm, I think about it, as an adult, I get them, but I'm much quicker, like, to have my coping skills to get through it. Like, okay, cool. Like, we know what's happening. You're still here. And... It's a really weird thing about me, so I'm like, that's why a lot of times when I hear that, I know that there is that feeling, and I know for mine, it could be explained by, like, inner ear problems, because I always had sinus infections and allergies, and that's what Megan's doctor told her, but it's this really weird you're almost in another dimension, you know, that there's something there. Yeah. And, you know, I was raised with religion. And so I was just like, I would pray in
1: those moments. And they're really scary. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's super interesting. And maybe even like related, you know, there's so many things that happen to us even while we're alive, like people who have sleep paralysis or have like astral projected oh I need to do like a whole episode on sleep paralysis okay I was like I'll share my
0: experience then because I was going through I was ill and I couldn't take my usual antidepressant which you're not supposed to stop immediately and during that withdrawal process I had I experienced sleep paralysis and people aren't joking around. Like i I've talked to people that have had sleep paralysis, feel like they've looked the devil
1: in the eye. That shit's real. I was like, you need to do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Well I did talk for some more. I did one for Strangish where I interviewed people who actually have sleep paralysis. But Ooh. um one of the people I interviewed during that one, um, said that there were times when she actually like left her body. She would wake up and she would be laying next to herself in bed or floating above herself and there are definitely people who have astral projected like they huh. have left their body gone somewhere else Seen things come back. And it's been... Cheap travel. I'm in. Yeah, it's been actually studied. And there's been studies on astral projection that are very interesting. So I'll definitely go into that in another episode. I'm so excited. But it's there's so many inexplicable things that don't line up with consciousness being held only inside of our brains. So to me, it's like there's so many common experiences where people... "Quote unquote, leave their bodies. That's so neat. It's some. It can't just be tied to our bodies. It something can't.
0: weird. Some another something weird about our bodies. Another. I love it.
1: I love that story. It's so good. Yay! I know we
0: talked a lot. That I, was a I can long keep one. Pretty... No,
1: you don't have to keep yours short. You know what? If people are tired of hearing us, they can just push pause. They can That's go true. like and come back. They can go eat a meal or go for a walk and then come back oh. and be like, I'm gonna pick back up on this. Awesome podcast Wonderful. episode. This is a good time to pause if you need to. Yeah, pause. Pause.
0: Then come back. And then come back. Absolutely. Always come this back is, to us. This is worth it because you want to hear Liz's story. <laughs> this is actually, I'm like, extra trigger warning. Remember that thing you were talking about last time about people having weird sexual fetishes? Well, I went really weird sexual fetish, girl.
1: Oh, Liz, I promised people that this episode was going to be less weird. Well,
0: your girl found this.
1: <laughs> and I just, I couldn't. I had
0: to talk to you about it. So I'm ready to hear. I hope you haven't eaten recently because <laughs> this one's pretty gnarly. Oh, great. Um, it's, it's really interesting because it's almost like the murder that wasn't. Oh. Okay. So. Okay. This is all hypothetical. Lay it on. Me. Okay. Well, hypothetical in a way. Okay. I'm just going to tell you. Have you ever heard? No, no. I know how I want to do this. <laughs> Hold on. Rewind. Wait. She's thinking hard. Give a moment to pause. Okay. So. There's a fella named Gilberto uh, uh, Valley. I'm terrible with names. His name's Gilbert. Gilberto. <laughs> Okay. We're both having to struggle. (laughs) Uh. Okay, so Gilberto was born in Queens, New York in 1984. And his parents separated when he was young. Mom was kind of the softer, loving type. Dad was a little bit more strict. He attended a Catholic high school, graduated from the University of Maryland in 2006, majoring in psychology. He meets his wife Kathleen on OkCupid. Mm, getting connected through yeah. the dating apps. Woo uh, In 2010, in Washington, in Spokane, Spokane.
1: Holler back to Melissa's peeps in Washington. I know. Actually, I actually have a friend who lives in Spokane. Perfect. Hello shout to out. you. Hello, Hello to you. Hello, April in Spokane. She's probably not listening.
0: <laughs> she should now. We gave her a shout out.
1: Uh, so,
0: Gilberto and Kathleen have a daughter in 2012. Sounds like an okay dude
1: so far. Pretty normal. I have a feeling this is going to change, though. I just...
0: Yeah. Gilberto has a fetish. Okay. A cannibalism
1: fetish. Aw, oh, shit. I was like, okay, fetishes... <laughs> fetishes are fine. Do you? We're going to talk about if they're okay. Okay. I mean, as long as you're not hurting people, uh, fetishes okay, so this are is, great. That's so- where
0: we're going to talk about kind of the boundary. And I, I like that we both kind of picked... Stories to ponder over. So I'm going to give you some facts. And I don't really know where I stand, so I want to kind of talk it through. So let's, let's dive back in. Okay. So he has been talking about others with similar proclivities about torturing and murdering his wife, as well as murdering and cannibalizing more than 100 women. When asked why he started doing this, Gilberto explains... The baby was sleeping. Mom was sleeping. There was nothing to do.
1: In his words, he was playing a game. Okay, so he didn't actually do any of that. He's just making up stories on his Mm -hmm. chat room. Which, okay. With other, like, cannibally people.
0: Yes. So right now, like, it sounds, right? Like, BDSM, like, tying people up. Like, people have fantasies online. Yada yada. Playing a game. Sure, Whatever they do online. I've never been on a forum such as this, but I knew things were happening. Cannibalism
1: is a... Okay. All right. Okay. Just keep going. Okay. I'm just trying to... I'm like, okay. Trying to digest this. Yes. No pun intended. Okay. Okay. So uh i'm I a vegan so
0: this so, is tough oh this is really no this is gonna get all right well i'm about to quote so he liked to use uh or, or rather he liked to uh, talk to other users with his handle m h a l 52 so mhal 52 on websites such as dark Net, where okay. people in his words explore deviant fantasies okay in one conversation with another user called Ali Sher Khan, uh-huh. so Gilberto as mhealth52 says, No, I'm just talking fantasy. No matter what I say, it's make-believe. And the other user, Ali Sher Khan, said, You are wasting your time, buddy. I am for real, not fantasy. So mhealth52 says, I'm just afraid of getting caught. If I were guaranteed to get away with it, I would do it. Ali Sher Khan said, are you sure? He says, definitely. There's also a really important part to know about the um, role he played in the community, and that is that he is a police officer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay.
1: All right. So, I'm in my mind, I'm like,
0: in. Uh, someone in the position of authority...
1: Oh, boy. Okay. So the chat starts to get real. This didn't come up on his, like, psychological eval when he got hired, I guess. That's
0: what I'm saying. But if you have a fantasy such as this, maybe you can hide it. Maybe it doesn't... Maybe deviancies don't really show up until you blatantly asked it. Like, for example, my dad... and, and, And this is just, like, from someone else saying it, so... He said when he was taking the psych eval to get into law enforcement, one of the questions were, was, do you ever think about your mother sexually? Oh.
1: Your dad? This is from your dad? Yes.
0: Okay. So, I mean, they ask questions, but, I mean, what are you going to say? No. My dad says he wrote, well, <laughs> not now, but thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that leaves it open to so interpretation. you could just be like, no?
0: Like, what? Okay, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. So, who knows how you can skirt around. So, basically, not only is he talking about these women, uh, it's starts to just get real. Let me just, I just have to read it. So, okay, go. They start discussing lists to gather materials for kidnapping. So, in other words, like, he would talk with another user, and he would say, car, have it. And he would like plastic tarp, something to put in the truck to collect DNA like, thinking through the details of this. He speaks of putting the victim in the oven hole. He speaks about putting a pulley in the garage. And he speaks about plans to meet with other users to actually go through with this. So one of the things that's actually used later on in his defense is that, okay, he talked about putting victims in the oven, but he did not own a large enough oven to do that. And when he talked about putting a pulley in the garage, he lived in an apartment building and the basement was a laundry room shared by the entire building, so he couldn't do that. He never actually met the other users. They never would actually meet. But one of the things that I had the biggest struggle with was that he used actual photos and shared them on the site of those he intended to pursue as victims. And this included his wife. and people he knew actual photos of them that they would then like talk through like a game like hey do you want to talk about like how we would kidnap and eat my wife yeah and that's when i was like what? and he he had a cabin up in the woods so he would tell other users um uh this cabin's a convenient location to take victims he can use the rotisserie to cook them in the front (laughs) He even said in one discussion with another user in discussing price for the steps, like completing steps to make these fantasies come real, he said, I'm aspiring to be a professional kidnapper.
1: Uh oh. And. Go so, ahead. So. Are these chat rooms like the gateway drug? Are they like, really oh, this question. is just a fantasy. I'm just going to go on this chat room it's like how they say like pot if you smoke pot you're gonna eventually you're just gonna be on heroin which um i don't believe that but i squeaked um, but i'm just like (laughs) is this the same idea of like oh this is harmless this little chat room situation then all of a sudden you're on a downward spiral towards just like putting your wife in the oven and eating her for dinner
0: so, I thought of this in two different ways. I tried to think of it in terms of, like, legality, of, like, at least what I know of legality, where things become precedents, right? So, think of, like, um, if you ever looked at porn, like, all right, you check it out. Like, okay, maybe I checked out lesbian porn. Cool. It doesn't mean that I, you know, maybe I was exploring it I wanted to see how I felt when I watched it, or, um, but I'm not ready to maybe, like, tell my mom I'm lesbian or tell my boyfriend or maybe that wasn't for me. Okay, that's more understandable. But then you skip over to, I think this is in the same camp as like creepers looking at pictures of little kids sexually. Right. Like you're going to get, you know, they even find it. you don't have to take action. Just looking at the photos is illegal. So on something like this, I'm like, this certainly doesn't need to be a part of our society. You know, other societies put dampers on free speech I don't think this is what the founders of our country had in mind when they said free speech, especially getting to the point where he put together a cookbook called Abducting and Cooking Kimberly, a Blueprint.
1: Oh, Jesus. This is his wife? Is Kimberly his wife? No. Do you want to
0: know more about Kimberly? uh,
1: Yeah. Do I? Oh.
0: So he Google searched how to kidnap a girl and how to use chloroform, uh, how to make chloroform the best rope to tie someone up with he um, then agreed to create a story around victims with another user and he would use this information. So in one sense, they could probably argue you're doing research. But in another sense, I'm like, how long is this taking you? And this is what's taking up your free time. Right. So I don't think it's outside the realm of like, well, I'm talking about it. I can make it happen. Like if that's what you're consumed with. And as a cop, like I wouldn't Google search how to kidnap a girl. Yeah, like, well, he's just doing it, like, uh, for sure not. It's fine.
1: Although he could cover it up by, like, saying he was trying to, like, there was a case he was trying oh, to, he like, did that too, or something. Yeah, he
0: did that, too. So, that was what was going on. He actually stalked a woman, too, before I talk about Kimberly. He stalked a, a girl named Alicia um, and spoke about his joy in following her without her knowing that her days were numbered. Oh. So there's actual, you know, that was a part of the defense was, well, he didn't have the accessibility of a large oven for crying out loud, golly, wally, polly, like you went out and stalked this lady and made a blueprint to cook a lady. So Kimberly was one of his favorites for about 10 years. So this is a fantasy that went on for a very long time. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, this is when the jury determined that the mood had changed and they found him guilty on the charge of conspiracy to commit kidnapping. So he did there was legal action taking. He didn't just get away scot-free.
1: Okay, good. Okay.
0: So they felt this is when the fantasy was becoming real. He spoke in graphic detail about what the scenario would look like and how he would do a dry run. He planned a trip to Maryland to catch up with college friends, and brought along his wife and his infant daughter. And at the same time, you can see in a discussion with this other user named Moody Blues um, about seeing Kimberly on Sunday and his mouth would be watering while he looked at the background information about her. And he did meet her for brunch over a meal with his wife and daughter while he's fucking thinking about eating this lady. Well, that's terrifying. And his wife said, because his wife actually testified against him, which kudos, girl, you go. Um, Because I (laughs) I know I might. Um,
1: I definitely would. Oh,
0: Lord have mercy. She said when he came home, he went straight to the computer to check in with Moody Blues because he was so excited to share the trip details. So who's Kimberly? Wait. Kimberly's just a college
1: friend. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, and he actually um, accessed when I was mentioning about utilizing his power for bad and not good. He accessed a database that was they were supposed to use only in law enforcement. Um, in July on July 21st 2011, he also looked up another friend, looked up their addresses um, last names, information and so this was actually on two dates July 20th and July 21st of 2011 and then the conspiracy to kidnap and eat, Kimberly began in January of twenty twelve. So I mean he's looking up evidence because he's not using oh. uh, the automatic light went dark oh no. no Gray's
1: home. They must have they must have accidentally Damn it, Gray,
0: up. don't you know we're talking about scary things? We're still recording. <laughs> okay. We're talking about cannibalism. Hold on. <laughs> so on the site he never gave addresses or last names that he looked up. So he said, I was never actually planning the kidnapping. Well why in the why the Dickens did you look it up in the first place? Yeah, why the Dickens, buddy? Yeah <laughs> Seriously. And in, in another snippet that they actually used in court, his under his handle, MHOW 52, he said to me and Harris, If you are wondering, it is all fantasy. And me and Harris says, Would you do it if you had the chance? And he says, I don't think so and then he says well the cannibalism really fascinates me and when asked if he would ever eat another human if he had the opportunity he responded a resounding yes
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is grody so there's all this shit going on so you might be wondering
1: how I'm, he got that I'm wondering a lot of (laughs) things. I'm having a lot of wondering. (laughs) So much wondering right now. But yes, I was wondering how did he get caught.
0: And that's what I was wondering as well. So while he's being a stage five creeper, his wife Kathleen was Googling, my husband doesn't love me. Oh no. I know. And that, I just had to say that because that broke my heart. Yeah. We can talk about the weird stuff, but these, these victims of like, my husband was, can you imagine, like, just put yourself in a place of, like, my partner was thinking about eating me, eating our
1: friend, you know, like, golly. I feel like I, that would set me on a path of forever singleness.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. i like, 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 I'm not mmm. letting anyone else. I can't trust anyone. Yeah. So she testified against him in court and said that she was told from him he just, he he worked late. He came home late. He wanted to unwind. He needed to play video games. just have to give that pause. Surf I feel like the
1: Liz is, is having triggers over video games. Liz has been burned with video Liz games. Liz has been burned Liz by has a gamer. Liz had dates
0: canceled because of a raid before. God damn it. Fortunately, I have a wonderful partner now that actually pauses his video game just to come check in and bring me
1: tea or... There you go. Water with lemon. You can have video games and love. You it's can. possible. Strike a balance.
0: I was so surprised when he did that. He just came in and he's like, hey. And I was like, weren't you playing your game? He goes, yeah, I just, do you need some water, lemon? I know you're working late. I'm like, are you real? Is this happening? Did I die? Is this a near death experience?
1: He's just smart. He's like, he knows how to keep a woman happy. Yeah. He's like, if I bring Liz lemon water, I can go back to playing my game. There you go. The greatest. Men listening, that's all you got to do. You got a woman on your back, give her just a little attention.
0: So he was saying he would surf the web, that sort of thing. And this is after Kathleen gets pregnant. She says the behavior worsened and he would even stay up till 5 a.m. if he came to bed at all. So she's thinking he's playing video games. She's thinking he's playing video games. He doesn't love me. He just wants to do his own thing, surf the web. He's
1: on the computer. But he's on these forums talking about Mm -hmm. eating people.
0: And I think that that's really, I mean, from our experiences of reading these stories and reviewing things in detail in our own research, Triggers and stressors are a very real thing. And so I thought that that was pretty telling that the behaviors get worse after she gets pregnant. Mm -hmm. Because she says, all this weird stuff started happening. She installed spyware. And it was efficient spyware too. It logged every website, every keystroke, and took a screen. I'm wincing. Took a screenshot Every five minutes, if it suspected suspicious activity. Oh shit. So she was seeing websites that had never, she'd never seen before come up. And they were diff, she said it was different than like BDSM where you're like tying each other up. She said one site showed a girl, trigger warning, one site showed a girl on the front who appeared to be dead. And she logs into his email address when he used for these sites. And she, because uh, she saw it being used on all the sites. And finds pictures of people they they both knew with descriptions of each of them. She says, right now I'm betrayed and terrified in a text to him after she leaves with the baby. So this girl I'm playing around, she sees this stuff, she leaves. She's oh. like, I'm outie. Fuck yeah, I would if do I the same me. thing. Wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, yes. I'd take that child and leave. I'd I'm, be like, and Yes, Ur. This good. <laughs> I tell everyone I'm like he's talking about eating me. if I go missing <laughs> if he asks you for over for dinner and I go missing don't go <laughs> so she texts him um, after she lives with the baby and she says I, I need the truth about everything and then she asks a really scary question that I thought was really smart of her did you ever put the baby or my picture up on the sites oh my god is that a terrible thing to have to ask your husband? Oh, goodness. He says absolutely not. But that's a lie. <laughs> but the lie detector determined that was a lie. That was a lie. That baby don't look like me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I'm getting all fired up. So in an email from him to another user regarding a 4th of July menu, it included a photo of her. And she's described as picture number six. Kathleen, 26 years old, 5'7", 150 to 160, married and has a baby daughter. And then he talked about cooking her alive, and he said, the live cooking is just for my entertainment and for her suffering. And he wanted to see her in extreme pain and spoke about raping her.
1: Oh my God. He posted and and said all of that? Did she ever see that? Did she see that because of like court, and they dug it up, or she saw it on the spyware thing? Or do you know that? I don't
0: know. Because when she was responding to him, it was right after she initially saw stuff coming up. And so, when she saw this stuff, I'm sure that it was brought up, maybe in court, maybe when she started looking through it more. But I'm like, that's not, that's intense. That's not just like, oh, that thought leaves my head. Because this um, isn't just
1: a regular curiosity or like... (sighs) Or a fetid like fetishes are fine. Looking at porn feet, great. Like whatever, <laughs> yeah, feet, foot fetish, d- BDSM, whatever you want to do. Like as long as you have a consensual partner and if, someone I mean, who enjoys the things like I mean, that. I don't know how I feel. Yeah, I mean it may not be your about cup of tea. All.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, not like, your cup of tea. I mean, but to say I haven't looked at it. I've looked at it, and it's one of those things where I'm just like. Mm, right. is this going to positively impact my connection with my partner? And if it is, and it releases something in you that you feel brings a healthy sex life.
1: Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff, it can be very healthy with two people that are into it. Um, mm-hmm. I personally am not, but it's fine. <laughs> like, I can respect that different people have different sexual interests, but this... There's a line and it has been crossed. I'm just
0: like, that's not something. Like,
1: very crossed.
0: I'm just like, even if someone said in jest, like, ha I'm going to rape my wife, you're like, no, that's not okay. And you're going to bring attention to that. Not okay. Definitely not. I was like, I hate this man. Yeah. So, especially because he was a little shit about it. He goes, what? Lucky coincidence, I shut down all my fetish site accounts the night before. I was going to do it the night before you installed the spyware. And I, I did it the day you you installed the spyware. I was shutting it all down because he said, in one interview, he said, I'd shut it down because it would start to affect, if it ever started to affect my family. Well, it's going to affect your family, mofo. Like, he he was telling his uh, pal Moody Blues in England in 2012 exactly two days before his wife leaves. He says he closed out his dark fetish net account because he rationalized there was less likely of a chance of getting caught if he shut down like one or two of his sites. So he's likely telling his chat buddy the truth because in one part of the interview he says... He was a good father, a good husband, and he did well at work, so his fetish didn't affect his family life in other ways. Well, you're contradicting yourself. Because your wife, you're not spending time with your wife. She's asking to spend time with you. It's not like she's just asleep. And you're going on here and talking about raping her. That's going to have an effect on your family, bud.
1: Yeah. If,
0: If she's Googling, my husband doesn't love me, there's obviously other... Instances during the day where he's not paying attention. If you put your energy and attention, Lord have mercy, I'm on i I'm on a soapbox. But if you put your attention and energy into loving your wife rather than exploring this nasty ass shit, I'm just saying,
1: Mike, drop. Say I'm, I'm not going to drop your mic. I'm not going to argue with you on that. And <laughs> I feel like even calling this a fetish is a stretch. I, I would not consider. Mm-hmm. cannibalism a fetish at all i would consider it a um psychological abnormality that's a good way of putting it definitely
0: yeah. and uh, yeah an illness like yeah like we consider pedophilia right i think exactly definitely in the yeah. same
1: camp so you wouldn't call pedophilia a fetish um, you wouldn't call being a rapist a fetish like mm-hmm. there are people who have rape fantasies and have consensual experiences mm-hmm. that play that out again fine if everyone's consensual good mm-hmm. but like oh this is not that and this is just it's blowing my mind there's people in the world just walking around <sighs> thinking about eating people and talking on chat rooms right and it makes me never it. ever want to let my daughter date anyone I know <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be sneaking into all the boys' houses that she's trying to date and looking at their, like, search history. Yes. Yes. Spyware. Exactly. What are you searching on the internet, boy? Yeah. I do want to tell you about
0: the trial. Because in America, because he's saying this is a thought crime. Like, you're trying to charge me for thought crime. So, one lawyer explained, you know, thought crime is not a permissible charge. Overt acts are prosecutory. However meaning in general the act wouldn't otherwise be considered illegal so like in a certain instance with additional factors it holds meaning word salad what i'm saying is you can say i can make chloroform to use on victims in your fetish site chat but then googling how to make chloroform or looking up victims addresses using the law enforcement database that's where they went in and arrested and charged him on two counts. Conspiracy, uh, kidnapping conspiracy. So he faced life in prison for that. Uh-huh. And then unauthorized use of law enforcement database facing five years. Actually, they brought in a forensic pathologist, which you'll find interesting. His name is Dr. Park Dietz, which I just think is a funky, cool name. Dietz. <laughs> Dr. Park Dietz.
1: He's so, going to give us all
0: the deets. Apparently you can name your child Park now. He's brought in and he says, in my opinion, in my opinion, there is no reliable evidence to suggest that his erotic conversions or I'm sorry, conversations could reasonably be construed as conspiratorial conspiratorial plans. I saved the big words for 9 o'clock p.m. Yeah. (laughs) He construed conspiratorial plans rather than conversations that were an end in themselves. However, he was not brought to the stand. They assumed he wouldn't do well under cross-examination. Primarily because he has also written that sexually violent intentions may seek out law enforcement positions because their ability to easily access prey. But then he calls it a coping mechanism in the case of Gilberto. This fetish is a coping mechanism. So anyone that's like, oh, maybe coping. Eh." Who would prescribe this in a treatment program? This is what one person said. I'm like, good point. They could have the potential to excite those urges. So I'm getting nerdy. I'm getting into brains here. But this is a quote. Reward circuitry is activated in the brain and once you reach a certain my stomach's growling i hope it didn't get picked up sorry <laughs> a <laughs> certain threshold it became a habitual it becomes a habitual pattern mm-hmm. the pathways to the prefrontal cortex that's responsible for judgment and reasoning shut down combination of elevated pleasurable stimuli in the brain with poor judgment so basically you're excited with poor judgment it's like a
1: drug right boom it's like they can test this in animals too like in like in lab rats mice where it's like you're given a stimulus you get a reward from that you create mm-hmm, the stimulus mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. and it's like this is what's happening with this guy it's like you dip in a toe and mm-hmm. then the whole foot goes in and then the whole leg all of a sudden you're like swimming around and you're like about to kill your wife and eat her
0: <laughs> oh i know and and the thing is, is it's not a singular event. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna tell you what happened in the trial, um, to kind of think about, you know, who's responsible for monitoring this. I think that it should be illegal to access this type of a thing personally. But he spends, uh, after the defense filed a motion to overturn the conviction, saying the evidence was insufficient, he spends 21 months in jail, and a federal judge agreed and grants acquittal regarding the charge of conspiracy to kidnap on July 1st, 2014, because no one was really kidnapped and no non-internet-based steps were taken to commit a crime. And apparently, granting this acquittal was really rare for a judge to do. So he's, he's released with an ankle monitor. And a little over a year later, in December of 2015, A federal appeals court declined to reinstate the conviction on the basis that they were reluctant to give the government the power to punish us for our thoughts and not our actions. And two out of the three judges on the panel wrote that fantasizing about crime, even a crime of violence against a real person whom you know is not a crime. And he was cleared of all criminal charges. And others were actually convicted in a sting operation set up on that dark fetish site. One even has stun gun, needles, handcuffs, and a speculum all gathered up in a kit to kidnap and engage with these women. So I'm assuming these are the ones that got convicted because they took non-internet-based steps to, to <sighs> kill someone. A
1: speculum. What is he doing? A pelvic exam? Yeah. He's like, here, let me get your pap smear real quick. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to know what he's going
0: to do. Uh, so Gilberto says his days of going on these sites are done. He's ready to date again. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he works in construction
1: and writes extreme horror novels. Extreme horror novels. I'll bet he does. I... I'll bet he's writing that shit all day and all night. <sighs> Ew. Another thing that
0: I've um, had...
1: I've had so many thoughts, Melissa, on this, and I'm just like... It's too many. Letting them
0: out at you. (laughs) Okay, we've both been in positions where we've been mandated reporters. Yes. Okay. Is that not... Ladies and men and women of the jury, is that not taking steps towards someone who's thinking about doing something? Because... (sighs) When you're mandated reporter, if you said in therapy, I'm so tired of my boyfriend, I'm ready to kill him, like, I'm just going to poison his food one day, whatever. And you write about it a fetish site, well, you're going to have follow-up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I... This... Oh, you want to allow thoughts, you want to allow the freedom where we've been talking about the healthy side... <sighs> But then when we're putting restrictions against this nasty-ass stuff that I think we can agree is nasty, that's going to have an impact,
1: precedence-wise, on the other. And that's where I've been going back and forth. I think that with stuff like this, it's a slippery slope. And I feel like people who have these kinds of thoughts so, you know, it's not like it's something he thought about once and was like, Oh, like, that just popped in my head. That was weird. It was like he was pursuing, like, talking about this on a very regular basis, and it seems like it became sort of an obsession. So that, to me, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's, like, hard to prove that he would have actually gone through with it just based on because like you said yeah. there was nothing outside of the realm of just talking about it that had been done yet and that's where but the defense came like from but it's almost like when you go to like get a restraining order against someone and yeah. they're like oh yeah. have they ever punched you in the face and you're like no and they're like well we'll wait till that happens then and then come back and it's I like i thought about stalking law too where it's like you have to wait for something to actually happen before the person which is so
0: terrible. Yeah. I totally thought about stalking law, and I thought it was interesting you said like you know pretty regular intervals. Because at one point I got real nerdy. I pulled out a dictionary. At one point he said the crimes during um, he would describe his crimes during the day, and then he'd go back to regular me. But he, the definition of regular is recurring at uniform intervals. So how regularly were you indulging in a cannibalistic? Cannibalistic fetish site. Thinking about it, uh, the FBI said that he accessed Dark Fetish Net over one thousand times in twenty twelve in one year. If you break that down, that's about three times a day for an entire year, and that was including his iPhone when on duty. Oh shit!
1: So yes, that's why he wasn't reinstated as a police officer. I'm yeah, sure. like he
0: definitely got fired after Amongst that. Other he, things, and when
1: yeah, but. So the question, I guess, is, like, where do you draw the line? Because, like you said earlier, like, you can get in huge trouble just for having photos of children Mm -hmm. on your, like, computer or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing has been done. You just have that. So it's like, there's that. But you cannot get in trouble for openly talking about wanting to cannibalize people who you know, even your wife. Mm -hmm. So, like... I don't understand what the difference is or how we really come to the conclusion on what's a crime and what's not.
0: Well, we actually are going to have a chance to see that. It's happening in real time right now. Ooh. Have you heard of Army Hammer, the actor? Army Hammer? Mm hmm. This is a person's name? This is a person's name. Okay. Actually, I'm out of the loop. Oh my gosh. So I saw this and I thought about it when I was reading about Gilberto. And in January 18th of this year, um, he got, the controversy began after a woman who says she had an intimate relationship with him, created an account on Instagram to share gruesome details of the bizarre sexual interactions she said they used to have. I think is also comparable. His position as a celebrity to a, the position of authority of law enforcement. Uh-huh. Just saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some of his fantasies were terribly dark. Uh, at one point, he professes to desire to, quote, bite pieces off of this gal that he's talking to and eat her heart. In another chat, he says, I'm 100% a cannibal. I want to eat you. Fuck, that's scary to admit. I've never admitted that before. So he's actually oh, also... Wow. Okay. <laughs> He's facing rape allegations. So,
1: <laughs>
0: it took action. Like you're saying, it, it's going to lead into you thinking about something. enough. I think about, like, when I put, this is going to dumb it down, but, like, if I really want to buy something and I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about it and I put it in my cart and I keep looking at it and I look at the pictures, I, like, print it out. I'm thinking about it. Chances are, I'll probably buy it. Yeah. If I'm thinking about that much, that applies here so damn it gray <laughs> hang my lights off again
1: it's so, like <laughs> i really want a cookie right now i want a cookie i want a cookie i want a cookie and you just you're craving that goddamn cookie you have all the you ingredients in your kitchen for to make cookies you can't stop thinking about it yeah you're just like i gotta have it and eventually you're gonna make and eat the goddamn cookies That's well, there's actually an NYC... At least I do. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Now
0: cookie sounds good. Mm. There's uh, an NYC-based professional dominatrix that explains the fetish by saying, Cannibalism fetishes have nothing to do with actually eating another person. It's predicated on a certain amount of fantasy, and there are different elements to toy around with. Bitch, cannibalism is eating another person. Yeah. So what are you... Whoa, 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 whoa. I said that I'm talking fast because I'm trying to understand. And uh, I will leave you with this. And that is Gilberto had something to say about ARMY. They asked him, what you think? And he says, ARMY, the person's name, (laughs) ARMY can carry the cannibal fetish mantle now. This situation with me has been going on for years now. And I'm just trying to move on with my new life. It is so exhausting to keep being a punchline. Then you shouldn't have looked it up in the first place, you weird-ass...
1: I have so many feelings. Does he still get to see his child, I wonder? I would be very apprehensive if I were his ex-wife. I'm
0: going to be like, "Um, i like sole custody because my husband
1: wants to eat me and my child. Yeah, I would not feel comfortable at all having any sort of contact with that man or sending my child over to for dinner
0: oh god oh
1: god so yeah this uh, oh my goodness gracious so like for those who don't know liz and i don't tell each other what our stories are beforehand so I didn't know she was coming in hot with some crazy ass <laughs> shit like this. I do not even know my mind is going a million miles an hour with so many questions and it Same. just all boils down to the fact that we, yes, we can't control people's thoughts or what they fantasize about, but I feel like when it leaves the realm of like you just thinking about it, I, I think taking action in a chat room is enough.
0: I agree. I think that that's action. I think making planning statements is where it's at. And I, you know, when we're afraid of our constitutional rights being affected, I'm just like, but do we want our citizens to be thinking about this?
1: You know, I mean, you can't help what people think about, but you can certainly make it so that they can't maybe connect with other people who make them feel like this behavior is somehow okay, and start down that slippery slope of possibly acting something like this out.
0: I just have Chrissy Teigen's face. Like the classic meme face where
1: she's like, Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I will leave you. That's how I'll stay the rest of the night with that face. I was gonna... <laughs> oh my gosh. Everyone out there. Have a good dinner. T- uh, tell us i don't even know what you should tell us please just tell us something but tell us a happy story about a time that you (laughs) ate something normal that wasn't a person your favorite meal does anyone who's listening have a near-death experience to tell us i like that and a family member that had one or something mm, of the sort
0: oh i like that we could do like a guest a guest host and I will I'll keep you updated on the army hammer situation
1: yeah I need to look this person up I don't even know you'll who this know is. him if you see him will honestly I? huh I didn't do a picture this time I failed but that's okay okay I can, I can Google him up on my phone but that is terrifying and uh yeah email us <laughs> odds just... at gmail.com stay with us oh we're wh- gonna keep doing more interesting stories you know we're just trying to be so wonderfully weird over here <laughs> and we know our true weirdos will stay with us so oh oh instagram at odds dot ends dot pod. i always forget it's just odds uh, dot ends dot pod. we've been talking a long time thanks you guys for listening and uh well we'll we'll see you next time we'll talk to you next time stay off dot